Hi, it's Kim from Embodied Connections Australia. Welcome to another episode of Doing It to Death, the podcast that looks at various aspects of death and dying through the lens of myth, storytelling and pop culture. The theme for this month is psychopomps. Are they as much fun as they sound? Well, spoiler alert, the answer is no, but they're as fascinating as hell. Let's dive in. Death. Oh, death, won't you spare me over for another year? Oh, death, oh, death, won't you spare me over for another year? Now, as I mentioned in the introduction, psychopomps are incredibly fascinating. The word psychopomps comes from two Greek words, psyche, meaning soul or spirit, and pompos, which means conductor or guide. So the word psychopomps literally translates to the guide of souls and refers to creatures or spirits whose job it is to act as a guide or escort for newly deceased souls. Now, before we go any further, I need to invoke a few caveats here. Caveat number one, psychopomps are not the same as harbingers. Harbingers, which will be the subject of a future episode, announce or signal the approach of something, whereas psychopomps only appear as the person is dying or has died in order to escort their soul to the afterlife. Caveat number two. There's a lot of debate in certain circles about whether or not the Grim Reaper is a psychopomp. I'm coming down on the side of saying a reaper isn't a psychopomp as psychopomps play no active role in death, whereas the modus operandi of a reaper suggests they may actually end a life and then reap the soul. Reapers definitely deserve an episode of their own, which will happen at some point in the future, but I'm not going to mention them again for the moment. And caveat number three, there are some who say that death doulas and shamans also fulfill the role of a psychopomp because of the work they do. Again, I personally don't subscribe to this school of thought as to me, a true psychopomp exists in the liminal the in-between space of two worlds. Whereas death doulas, such as myself, exist very much on the earthly plane. True shamans, however, are able to cross from the physical into the spiritual realm, so may absolutely be considered a psychopomp in my humble opinion, but again, I'm not really going to get into shamans in this particular episode. 
Psychopomps appear throughout a number of cultures and religions and can take many forms depending on the beliefs of each dying individual. Animals in particular are very common forms of psychopomps and are depicted across a number of mediums. Horses are one of the most popular animals associated with the concept of psychopomps. The link between horses and death across so many cultures and myths could fill an entire episode on its own, which again may well happen down the track. But for now, I'll focus on the fact that horses and sometimes chariots were often buried with the deceased in ancient China, Scandinavia and the Mediterranean as it was believed the horse would carry the deceased on their voyage and also act as a protector. In Nordic mythology, Sleipnern, the legendary horse with eight legs who belonged to Odin, was responsible for carrying the dead to the other world. Epona was a Celtic goddess who was the patron goddess of mares and foals, and it's also believed had the function of accompanying the dead to the underworld. Birds are another very popular form of psychopomp and are often shown to appear in large masses outside the home of the dying person. In Stephen King's book, The Dark Half, sparrows played a prominent role as psychopomps and the sparrows are flying again became a recurring line throughout the novel. In the final showdown between the main character, Thad Beaumont, and his alter ego, George Stark, millions of sparrows arrive to serve as George Stark's escort. George Stark's escort back to Ennsville, back to the land of the dead. In true Stephen King style, it's not pretty, and his stance is that loons and whippoorwills guide newly dead souls to their proper place in the afterlife, while the job of sparrows is to guide lost souls back into the land of the living. Not surprisingly, given the close association between dogs and humans, like horses, Dogs have often been buried with their owners to guide and protect their soul as it travels to the afterlife and are also associated with many aspects of death. The Egyptian god Anubis is depicted as having the head of a dog or jackal. In Egyptian mythology, after a body was mummified, the heart was given to Anubis. Anubis then weighed the heart against the feather of truth. And if the heart was full of kindness and therefore lighter than the feather, Anubis would take the soul to the world of the dead. If the heart, however, was heavier than the feather, it would be eaten by the lion god, Amit. The Aztec dog god, Zolotl, was believed to have the job of guarding the sun on its journey through the realm of the dead at night and was also tasked with guiding the dead to the afterlife. 
bees are another animal that are seen as psychopomps. In ancient Greece, it was believed that bees had the ability to travel between worlds, escorting souls to earth and then escorting them back after death. In many European cultures and rural areas in the United States, telling the bees when there was a death in the family developed as a ritual. So the bees could share in the morning and escort the soul to the afterlife. It was believed that the consequences of not telling the bees when someone in the family had died were that the entire colony would either die or leave. And various songs and verses were written in order to deliver the message. Some other examples of psychopomps are Papageti, who is the god of death in the voodoo religion and guides souls to the spirit world. Yama, the Hindu god of death, who is sometimes depicted as carrying a noose in his left hand, which is used to lasso the soul and pull it from the corpse. And Hermes in Greek mythology, who is also known as Mercury in Roman mythology who acts as a mediator between the realms of the living and the dead and can move freely between the two. In Norse mythology, the Valkyries were sent by Odin to various battlefields in order to escort the souls of warriors who were deemed worthy of a place in Valhalla. Azrael is the fourth archangel in Islam and performs the function of the angel of death, transporting souls to the world of the dead. In the Christian religion, St. Michael is charged with conveying the souls of the faithful to heaven, delivering them to St. Peter at the gates. In the Philippines, there are a number of deities that can perform the role of psychopomps such as the ancestor spirits, which can be guardian spirits or the actual spirits of dead ancestors. In fact, psychopomps appearing as deceased family members who come to escort their loved ones to the afterlife are actually a great way to help embody the raison d'etre of psychopomps, which is to bring comfort, solace and hope to the dying. Now, here's a curveball for you. Have you ever thought that the character of Peter Pan is a psychopomp for the souls of dead children? Unlike the 1953 animated Disney film, the original play and the novels by J.M. Barrie were much darker. Peter Pan flies around London looking for children who've fallen out of their prams. If the children aren't claimed in seven days, he flies them to Netherland. In Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens, which was written in 1902, he digs the graves for two children who fell out of their prams and died, becoming the guardian of the cemetery of unclaimed children. And in the opening chapter of the 1911 book Peter and Wendy, which later became renamed Peter Pan, it states 
When a child died, Peter accompanied them along a stretch of road so that he would not be afraid. If you think about it, Neverland can easily represent the afterlife, which is shaped by the minds of the children living there. And the lost boys could represent spirits that remain forever young and immortal. When Wendy asks Peter again in the book, not in the Disney film, why there aren't any lost girls, he replies that girls are too smart to fall out of their cradles. Jungian analyst Anne Yeoman wrote in her 1998 book, Now or Neverland, that mythologically, Peter Pan is linked to Mercury and or Hermes, the psychopomp and messenger of the gods who moves freely between the divine and human realms. So hopefully that gives you something to think about. And on that note, we'll leave it there for now. I would love to hear your thoughts on Peter Pan in particular or anything that you have heard in this episode. And that's it for another episode of Doing It to Death. Now, I'm going to ask you to please do one or all of the following three things. One, leave a review or share this episode with your networks. Two, join the Doing It to Death Facebook group and let's continue these conversations over there. Or three, send an email to info at embodiedconnections.com.au with any comments, feedback or suggested topics for future episodes. Until next time, take care and thanks so much for listening. Oh, death, won't you spare me over for another year? Oh, death, oh, death, won't you spare me over? for another year.